Dan, how's it going? Pat, what's going on, sir? Not much. Uh, have you any luck finishing that fence? I did. I did. It's 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 kind of a bit of a border wall, really, now between me and my neighbors. But it is complete. Uh, we dug up the concrete. Yeah. And we we re concreted it. Reconcreted. Good. Good. We did. That's How's the potty good. training? Oh, she's doing pretty well. I mean, aside from the times when she just randomly pees on the floor wherever she wants. I think that's a control thing, though. Don't we all need a little <laughs> bit? Of, don't we all need a little bit of control? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, no, but she's she's doing okay. We we also just planted six fruit trees uh, in the side yard, and I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so we'll see. Awesome. We'll see if anything comes of that, but. Yeah, things are going pretty well. Good. That's going to come in handy during the apocalypse. <laughs> that was uh, kind of what got us going. Cool. We, got, we got the chickens, fruit trees, got the veggie garden. Um, we, we'll be able to produce enough food to last us for a little bit. Sweet. So, um, so what are we talking about today, Pat? We're going to talk about the Small Business Administration and some of, uh, you know, the fourth... I guess round four, or they're calling it round three B um, of the, the tranche of money that's being released as a stimulus to try to uh, weather this storm, the economic storm that's a, a result of uh, the coronavirus uh, and the shutdown, stay at home orders and, and the uh, havoc that that's wreaked on the economy. Right. Um, but let me just make sure that we, you know, we call ourselves out here and welcome everybody um, so welcome, everyone, to Trickle Down Socialism, where we discuss how the U.S. currently has a system of socialism for the super rich and corporations, where we try to defang the term socialism, explore how government, with just a slight tweak in priorities, could be a force for good in all of our lives. And that point on priorities uh, is going to be a topic of discussion today as well. So we'll see where that comes in. Sounds good. We'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Disinfectants. Done cleaning that nasty stovetop but still have a little left over? Try cleaning your insides with it. Are you starting to get a fever or a cough? Grab one of those 12, one of the 12 half-used bottles under the sink. As they say, what have you got to lose? Remember to always consult a doctor before cleaning your insides with toxic chemicals. Some might not recommend it, but just remember, there's good people on both sides disinfectants hey we're still looking into it so dan you've been fired up about this small business stuff ever since uh they've started putting together stimulus packages huh well, yeah, it's kind of personal for me. So the state of Vermont is something like 90% small businesses. And um, and so the not only do the people uh, who run them really need this money, but the, the businesses are interdependent, right? So uh, like my father is an accountant and he's still doing, uh, you know, it's still tax season because they've, they've extended the, the tax deadline to July 15th, but he can't really get paid because others can't pay him. Um, you know, whereas not to say the place like Boston doesn't have issues, but it's uh, you do have some bigger players 
Um, and you have, I think, a more diversified economy. Sure. What I've heard is why places like Boston are doing better, even though we're getting pummeled by the disease or by the virus, excuse me. Um, you know, we're less uh, small businesses are less integral. Yeah. Um, uh, and so uh, I think what I wanted to discuss is um, it seemed like it was inevitable that the 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 first small business administration bill was going to run out of money. So what took so long for this second bill to pass? Yeah. So uh, despite claims from some Republicans that uh, Democrats were holding up the bill and that that was a problem um, or that the blame was being thrown at them for doing that. Uh, Democrats were holding up the bill on purpose. They were fighting for very specific concessions. Um, And, you know, with the House majority that Democrats have, they were able to kind of exert that force. So what they were looking for was um, money set aside for smaller lending institutions uh, so that they could steer those resources to small businesses as opposed which right. is what it's designed for um, as opposed to Shake Shack or, you know, any of the large businesses that somehow snuck in the door there and got. Some I've been loans. inside Shake Shack. It's not that big. <laughs> is that what they mean by that's small uh, businesses? Uh, that's no, not what they mean. Not square footage. It's a franchise. It's a large uh, corporation, but they were also fighting for, um, some money for hospitals to make sure that hospitals could pay their bills. Hospitals have been uh, a pretty key part of this response to the coronavirus. Right. Um, and they did, unfortunately they failed to secure additional funds uh, for state and local governments. As we've heard time and time again from the white house, um, you know, they're all of a sudden calling that uh, a state responsibility saying the states need uh, to find their own PPE, the states need to find their own ventilators, et cetera. Um, they also, you know, Pelosi and Schumer said this bill is going to help, but it's not going to be enough. And then um, just right after the bill passed, uh, our buddy Moscow Mitch, the guy who speaks like a frog, has maybe has what do you, what do you say he sounds like? It sounds like if you ask somebody to to pass something at the dinner table, but their mouth is full, so it's yeah. like it's like oh, right, 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 and right. and if you notice, like he's like a a speech language pathologist dream case because he doesn't move he doesn't move his lips, so like I think maybe at, if at a young age if he got just that you know uh, early intervention that he would have been fine he would have right. been fine. Right. Uh, we have a great, uh, as you know, uh, we have a great SLP at our school, and she could have worked wonders for Mitch. Yeah. Um, I've back in the many. 1920s or 30s or whenever, whenever he grew up. Right. Well, he, he all of a sudden is uh, coming out with this claim that uh, we can't uh, approve any more aid until all 100 senators are back in the chamber. But that's going to prove difficult for a few reasons, right? Why, why would that be difficult? The virus is number one. We've got actual senators like Rand Paul who have tested positive and uh, could have potentially exposed many more senators to the virus. Right. Um, and then, you know, if we look at this bill from our perspective as uh, good democratic socialists, uh, we would say that we're missing some key pieces here, just the, the staples, food assistance, uh, state and local aid, disaster relief. You had, you know, the storms, the tornadoes in the south 
uh, and no money is in this bill to help. True, true. But I I do want to actually acknowledge a big win. So the legislation does have $60 billion for um, uh, smaller lending institutions whose customers are primarily uh, people of color and uh, and women-owned businesses. Um, And the reason that's important is uh, a lot of the – because of the time lapse between – when the program ran out of money uh, and and the passage of the second SBA bill, the, the 3A uh, uh, bill, uh, or sorry, 3B, you called it. Um, during that interim, uh, you know, a lot of applications were pending. So in other words, uh, companies that uh, are traditional businesses or who have bigger banks, they were all ready to go through. They were just waiting on funding. So right. even though they passed another, what was it, $484 billion, much of that was already spoken for. So I think the carve out for minority and women-owned businesses is huge because I think it's fair to say they would have been locked out very similar to the way they were with like redlining, um, you know, uh, a generation ago, you know, basically being locked out of, uh, by the government of, of uh, you know, these economic opportunities. Yeah. Um, but but your point is fair that it that it um, it left a lot of parts out. And I've heard talk already of a round five or round four, depending on how you're counting it, when the when Congress is is it returns in person on May 4th. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a potential. Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, what? Why do you think this this isn't enough, or what? What concerns you about how how long this tranche of money was going to last? Well, um, it's not so much that I'm I'm worried about how long it will last, but I think that there is there's there's going to be a need for sort of a and these are all band aids, so there's going to have to be some sort of comprehensive look at uh, at our government spending. But it, it seems to me that uh, just just before this bill passed, Mitch McConnell uh, was talking about his concerns that that the the spending aspect that we were that we were pushing uh, the federal deficit ever higher, which was not something I heard from him when they were passing a, a two trillion dollar uh, tax cut for for wealthy individuals and corporations. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I don't know if you caught his most recent comment about uh, states just uh, declaring bankruptcy because because the feds, you know, uh, just as they as they did with PPE, have kind of left them on their own here. Uh, uh, or at least that's what he's saying publicly. Did you catch that? I think we have I think we have a clip here, actually. Yeah, let's go ahead and roll the clip. Yeah. OK, here, here we go. It's, it's me, Mitch McConnell. Everybody. Uh, oh, no, sorry. That's that was me. Hang on. We have we have the actual clip. I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy uh, route. It saves some cities and there's no good reason for it not to be available. Wow, that's never easy for me to listen to that guy. Dan, what do you think? 
Well, Pat, something smells funny, and I know what you're thinking. It's not the smell of burning coal coming from the factories of Kentucky. Um, I think it's that Mitch uh, McConnell now seems worried about government spending. But just to take one example, the the Republican go to uh, campaign issue defense spending. Um, it is now for the fiscal 2020 budget. The Defense Department stands at nine hundred thirty five billion. Uh, and, you know, as a point of comparison, Back when Mitch was the Senate Minority Whip in 2003, it was $437 billion, and that's during uh, – we had two wars that had just started, right. you know, full-blown full wars in 2003. Yeah. And it has doubled in size, and just since he took the reins in 2015 during uh, his Obama obstructionist uh, period – Right. He has overseen a two hundred billion dollar per year increase. And this is during I mean, wouldn't you say we're we're pretty much in a relative peacetime compared to the last, say, decade or so, 15 years or so in in geopolitics? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to draw down and we have drawn down in, in a number of conflicts around the world. Absolutely. Right. So I think it is it's disingenuous for him to say uh, that you know, the best option is bankruptcy when both of these bills combined, right? Uh, yeah. The both small business bills are something like uh, $750 billion, uh, which is still far less than the the defense budget. Right. So so could there be an ulterior motive for Mitch here in in suggesting bankruptcy? Because he's a lawyer, so he's not he's not saying, geez, let's save a few dimes. You know, he's a lawyer, so he knows what 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 sort of like the implications of suggesting bankruptcy could mean. Well, yeah, there's always something else going on with McConnell. He's he's savvy. He's very effective. We've seen that over and over again. And that's part of what makes him so frustrating to watch for someone like me. I mean, I'd say there are a few things that could be going on. One, it could be a negotiating tactic. Right. So he's saying this now. He's making it seem like, oh, I'm not really going to move in here. I'm not going to approve. I'm not going to move forward even with more funding um, so that he can push Schumer and push Pelosi to to include things that he wants in the next bill. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, there's a part of me and like that I'm secretly holding out hope that maybe he's done with Trump and he wants to kind of tank Trump and make it harder for Trump to get stuff done right before the election. Hmm. I, I don't think that's super realistic. I don't think that's what's happening. Right. That's another possibility. Um, but also remember, part of his goal is to bust up as many unions as possible and take away the political influence that unions have. So when state bankruptcy and city bankruptcies happen, what happens is union employees like you um, and me, uh, we would if we were towards retirement age, we would see uh, our retirement you know, our pensions get restructured or changed in, in mm -hmm. really significant and harmful ways for the individuals who have worked their entire lives uh, with the, the, the hope or the promise of that, uh, you know, that pension kicking in once they get to the retirement age. Right. So that would that would probably be uh, a really uh, strategic uh, move in in swing states like Ohio and Michigan, where there's a strong union presence to sort of uh, I think he might be playing his hand a little bit 
in terms of uh, the the election coming up in the fall. Right. And it's also him acting as if he's he's got these conservative principles. Um, you know, the classic conservative argument is that it's a state by state system. It shouldn't be the federal government should never be so big that people depend on it. Sure. Um, but we know that McConnell has has no principles. He has no scruples. He will do whatever it takes to maintain power. Um, so let's just make sure we don't think that he's all of a sudden, you know, standing right. his principles. Right. But, you know, the every state for itself, the, the reason that argument falls short for me is that you think about the annual hurricane season, which, by the way, is going to hit, you know, probably uh, concurrently with the next wave of coronavirus, tragically. Uh, I've never heard the federal government say, geez, you know, we'd like to help out in Florida or South Carolina with that hurricane, but we just can't do it. I think the issue here is you have, in theory, um, 30, 40 states at once. And so that is a real issue. I, I, I'm not saying that it isn't, um, but I do think that it it comes down to what you prioritize. Again, they're, they're dropping a trillion dollars a year on defense spending during a, a, a relative peacetime. And I think the big, my big concern here is not a state like Massachusetts, even though there was a Globe article this week, not sure if you caught it. They were talking about uh, the mass unemployment insurance running out by mid-June. But I think uh, an economy like Massachusetts is diversified enough to probably come up with that extra cash. But where does that leave the, the poorest states, um, you know, uh, many of whom are in the deep south and tend to vote Republican? Um, where are these uh, unemployment and social safety nets? Uh, where do they get left if Mitch says just file for bankruptcy? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're going to be out of luck uh, in those situations, definitely. So um, it, in terms of priorities, Pat, like uh, let's use a different, uh, you know, a different country or a different. How could uh, like how are some of like the European countries handling this same issue of resource allocation? Well, so I think what. What we we see time and time again in the U.S. is like with our healthcare system. It's a patchwork system because just after World War II, we kept our employ, employer-based healthcare system where you get your healthcare through your em, employer, uh, your health insurance. And it's the same situation here where we're expecting these loans to go to small businesses so that small businesses can then keep their employees on board and prevent them from going on to the unemployment roles where other countries uh, like let's take Germany, for instance, see the federal government there or their, you know, there's their national government as responsible for its citizens uh, and its residents. And so what they've done is they've created kind of similar to what we did in the great depression here in the U S the public works administration. uh, They have basically employed people who are unemployed and if you know matching them to their skills if someone's a computer programmer find something they can do for the government that involves computer programming but guarantee that they get uh, a paycheck and so it's a it's a work uh, guarantee for all who who have uh, become unemployed as a result of this crisis right so it's it is it is a matter of priorities it's a matter of shifting from saying like let's make let's have the companies do the heavy lifting in our society to let's 
let's allow the federal government to step in and really make sure that people are taken care of. And it sounds also too, that it's not necessarily a handout because the people you're referring to in Germany are working as opposed to, uh, I've heard some estimates of 30, 40 million Americans on unemployment in theory, not doing their job, right? They're right. They're, they're not allowed to work. Um, right. And many of course do want to work. I think that's where a lot of the unrest in um in some of the states some of these protests is people saying let me work um uh right now the way the system stands people are just going to get a check until the until our society can open back up again yeah and you can do that in the same way that fdr did it by just setting up uh you know we've got plenty of infrastructure here in the u.s that is crumbling and so you have someone you know sign up for a, a project in which they're going to help fix a bridge it doesn't matter what it is but as long as people are doing work they've got that that pride in themselves but they've got that paycheck and the government doesn't have to just hand out unemployment money right and this should be interesting to watch because trump is already talking about an infrastructure bill uh which i think could could be really useful but i also see that as a as a bargaining tool because he he knows or not a bargaining tool excuse me a um a campaign uh, promise where he's gonna he's gonna try to goose the economy by uh, a major infrastructure bill. So I'll be interested yeah. to see how that works out. Um, I would love to dig into this more in our next episode uh, in terms of who gets left behind because it seems like we are slowly running out of either money, political will, or both. So where does that leave? the most marginalized um, cities and states and the most marginalized communities when the government says, sorry, we're broke. uh, You're on your own. Right. Yeah. So next, next week we're in our next episode, we're going to talk about communities of color and how they've been uh, disproportionately impacted um, by the coronavirus and how, uh, you know, death rates um, and infection rates have just skyrocketed in those communities and how kind of that fits the narrative that we've seen here in the U S that's right. Okay, Pat. Hey, well, um, good luck with that potty training. And I mean, your daughter, I assume, <laughs> I assume you're doing okay in that, in that category. Well, who knows? Right. Okay, folks. Well, thanks. For, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of, um, trickle down socialism. See you next week, folks.